What's the best site in India? The Taj Mahal, the Golden Temple? For Rintwa, it's his market stall. Some years ago, he lost his sight and then his job. I'm Lisa from Specsavers and we help the Hope Foundation provide eye care in Kolkata. Rintwa was found to have cataracts. The charity performed surgery, which gave him his vision back. He regained confidence and returned to work. Find out how we're changing people's lives for the better at specsavers.ie. Hello, I'm Connor Faulkner and this is Driving Life. Delighted you're here because it'd be great for making my mate Oshin jealous. Uh, he, he's a uh, big, big fan for years and quotes stats about you and all that. And, uh, <laughs> and, and you only need to get him fired up. Silly boy. Yeah. You only need him to get him fired up by saying, like, Ollie Campbell's probably the greatest <laughs> 10. And uh, it triggers him. Well, Ollie has a ground name after him now. Have you ever have you ever spoken to him? Uh, I, I met him, I yeah. think, once or twice. And um, like you guys were set up to be yeah, massive titles. Yeah. yeah, let's put it this way. Our relationship, even though it was extremely competitive, we can talk about it, was nothing like, say, Ronan and Charlie Sexton. No. Which was which was some uh, some yeah. Yeah, when, they, when <laughs> Ronan wound up in Racing as kicking coach. Yeah. Johnny was there. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, so yeah. rugby's a class sport. I should I should say if it's not extremely obvious that I'm talking to um, Anthony Joseph Patrick Ward. And <laughs> um, fantastic to welcome you here to to Knock Lion and um, to, to to the Batcave for a chat. Um, so where, where where do we begin? I suppose we begin. Back in the seventies, when you emerged into the uh, into the Irish rugby scene, it was a totally different world then, wasn't it? I mean, it, it was the amateur game, and um, how many Test matches would have an international have played a year? Gosh, back then we would have had uh, the four Five Nations games, as they were then, yeah. and you might have had one other, if even, and yeah. it was seldom a tour, so six, max seven. Uh, yeah. you know and, and you know one of the things is there's a real carnival atmosphere to it. there still is but I mean it's a childhood memory of mine going down to Lansman because it only happened twice a year and the jazz bands playing on the backs of the trucks and the people spilling out onto it's a fantastic carnival um, and Dublin wasn't that colourful at the time but it was on mm. rugby days oh it was fantastic and I, I was brought up the very same uh, I went to Mary's and the big thing we looked forward to was getting the schoolboy tickets and being down the schoolboy end of yeah. the ground and I, I remember two memories of that in particular that were really fantastic. Uh, even though Lansdowne Road was a very different ground in those yeah. days, some might argue it was even better in terms of atmosphere. Well, there is that. Yeah. yeah. But I remember um, certain uh, Shay Deering was in in school and Johnny Maloney, guys like that, and suddenly they were on the Ireland team. Yeah. And as you know, when you're in first year and these guys are in fifth and sixth year, they're, they're your heroes. Them, you worship yeah. the ground they walk on. So to be going along to Lansdowne Road and seeing these guys. And then afterwards, the Deering clan used to always, and Shay's twin brothers were my wing forwards in school at oh. under 13 or four, all the way up. Were you conducting the orchestra? From well, I was, yeah. I was always, I was always in that half. Oh, it's an played. I played centre for Leinster for a couple of seasons, all right, but I, at the end of my career. But I, I remember after those games, the Deering clan would gather under the posts at the Lansdowne Road end of the pitch, and we were able to go on, and, and he'd come back out, and we'd meet him after the game. It was such a thrill, you know. Yeah, fantastic. It was that, and the other one we used to meet then was, and this might sound a strange one, 
was uh, myself a great friend, Dennis Hooper, who's a monk down in Glenstall now, former principal. And Dennis and I would always go over when um, uh, the president, Devil Era, and band Devil Era would arrive in the Rolls Royce and they'd pull up at the Old Wanderers pub. Do you remember the, yeah. the old clubhouse there? Yeah. The Wanderers? And we'd go over and we'd open the door for them. And, and it was just, and we used to do that, I won't say on a regular basis, but we did it for a couple of years. Yeah. And it was just fantastic. Yeah, fantastic. Yeah. Days. So they're lovely memories. Yeah, they're yeah. lovely memories. Yeah. And uh, so the, the professionals in Cain Nation, I guess, would chat about that. But you did become an actor. One answer to trivia question for me why did you wind up playing for Munster? A Dublin guy, Mary's guy. Um, what, what happened? I, I, um, I always wanted to be. Uh, from about fourth year on, a PE teacher. Yeah. Again, a sporting interest. And uh, it, it, the only option you really had then was to go away to England to St. Mary's Strawberry Hill or St. Luke's Exeter or yeah. even up the North Ireland. And then all of a sudden, the National College of Physical Education and the National Institute of Higher Education came on the scene in Plassey in the early 70s. So um, I managed to get into... Uh, and was the, that in Limerick? In Limerick, yeah. into the PE College. Uh, uh, I mean... You go back then, Connor. We we had a Gaelic football team. Sadly, I was at his funeral a few weeks ago with Brian Mullins Centre, yeah. Fan Ryder, Johnny Tobin, Jimmy Dean, and Ogie Morn. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the Spillans. Like it was an all-star team, you know. Um. So and they were in all sports. Yeah. I'm just highlighting football because that's what they were particularly good at then. But that's what brought me to Limerick, and I was a soccer player. I was. Yeah, yeah. I, when I left school in St Mary's, I had to make a decision between football and rugby. Yeah. And I was football daft. I, I was brought up in Leeds in my early years. My first five years, I, I lived in Leeds. My oh, you were literally in Leeds? Yeah, I, I lived in Leeds. Oh, yeah. right. So I, to this day, I, I'm a season ticket holder. I go over once a month. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, oh, Leeds to me. Was, wow. My dad's very good over there. He died when I was young. And we came back to Paris Cross. And uh, so between soccer and rugby, I was fanatical wow. on both. But soccer was definitely... It was yeah. the year of 1966, Kenneth Wollstone winning the World Cup. Oh, yeah. And Leeds were in their pomp then Leeds as well. Were in so, their pomp. And you had Johnny Giles, of course. Uh, was, he was my hero, yeah. my football hero. I presume you met him since. Oh, yeah, many times. <laughs> he actually introduced me into Leeds in... Uh, it was when they won the, the old first division back in the for the last time back in the early nineties. Was that and Eric Cantona was on that team? Yes, yeah. it was well done. There you go. And I remember meeting John outside the ground, and I was typical like you know he's a bit like me. He's quite shy. Yeah, he you know, and he used to wear this handicap. I don't know if you ever saw him. But he used to, and I met him outside opposite the ground in the Peacock. It was a pub across the road, and he asked me to meet him there because he, he lives in Birmingham. Still lives in Birmingham. Oh, okay. still, and I met him there, and even to go with him, even though he'd organised everything, he was making that Mr. Nolan so And when anyone saw him, of course, John Giles, you know, yeah, there, yeah, yeah. as you said, he's worshipped over there. Yeah, but I love awesome. that about him, you know, that he had that shyness. Yeah, he's very modest guy. Exactly. Yeah, he's, quite a, he's quite a small guy, too. Some yes, yeah. met him, really, because yeah. he, the footage you see of him on the pitch, yeah, he was as tough as So, So soccer for you was one of the loves. And you did play for Limerick, didn't you? And you played for Shamrock Rovers. Um, won, won an FAI Cup. Yeah, I won an yeah. FAI Cup uh, with Limerick. See, when I was under 15, the, the, the big thing... You could only play, now you can play for under every age group all yeah. the way up, but back then there were only two ages. There was uh, schoolboy and youth. Schoolboy was under 15 yeah. and youth was under 18. At under 15, I, I played for a club called Rangers in Butcher Park. Okay. That was my club. 
And we were very good. We were probably, not probably, we were the strongest club on the south side of Dublin in those days. On the north side, it was Home Farm and Kevin's. They were the two yeah. clubs over there. So I managed to get four of us actually got onto the uh, Ireland schoolboy under 15 side, which was a huge thing back then. Oh, yeah, it was and, <laughs> and you were on the radar. I remember um, Bill Darby, who took uh, Liam Brady and Frank Stapleton mm-hmm. and David O'Leary away to Arsenal. Uh, he was chasing me and Billy Bean. Uh, Bill Darby was the scout for Arsenal and Billy Bean was the scout for Man U. Right. And they were chasing me at the time uh, to go over in trials. And my mum wouldn't let me go because I was doing my intercert at the year. Wow, fair enough. Well, I, I, I use the word hate very, not me at all, obviously. But God, I, I found that really hard to so say. Do you still think of that sort of sliding doors moment? There's another world where Tony Ward actually did go off and, and become a successful property. I'd love, I'd love to have tried to be a pro footballer in retrospect. Yeah. Uh, and we didn't have. And it's not that I wanted professional sport to be paid for because it was the love of the game. Yeah. That's why we did it. But it would have been lovely to test yourself in that arena. And now at this stage in life, you know, and we all look back yeah, yeah. and we say, what if, what things would I do different? And I do wonder, I'm probably jumping the gun and throwing mm. this in at this stage in saying that um, if I could turn the clock back, I wish I had dedicated more time to football. But the original yeah. question you asked me was when I went to Limerick um, and Shay Deering was again involved in it. He was playing for Gary Owen at the time. He was a vet in Ross Gray himself and Seamus Dennison, okay. the two of them. Uh, they used to play for Gary Owen. And Dero knew through his twin brothers. He is now half all the way yeah. to school coming up. And Johnny Moroni was the Gary Owen out half the time, who played for Ireland as well. Yeah. He, uh, he, and he got a really bad leg break that finished his career. So they had a brilliant team, but they know it half. And I was in the first year, <laughs> talking about a rookie uh, in um, the PE college then. I hadn't played rugby for about two years because soccer was my I was yeah. traveling with Bogers, like uh, we'd go from Finn Harps one Sunday, and then we'd be down in Waterford and Kilcoan Park the next. <laughs> and I was trying to get back for lectures on a Monday, which was really difficult, you know. So I was missing my Monday morning lectures because you'd come back to Dublin yeah. with Rovers. So it didn't really suit. And then Gary Owen, through Dero, got on to me and said, look, would you come out and play a game for us? I went out and played one game and <laughs> I never looked back. Within three more games, we won the Munster Senior Cup, which meant nothing to me, zero. We beat Cork Han, Barry McGann was obviously in the final down in uh, Musgrave Park. And uh, 6-4. Yeah, 6-4 was the score. And probably in front of 15,000, 20,000 people. Oh, huge, huge yeah. crowds they got in those days. Yeah. Massive. Sponsored by Expressway. With My Expressway, free travel pass holders can reserve their seats online at expressway.ie or at our ticket machines in stations. Think you're not smart enough to own a smartphone? Well, think again and think Doro. Doro phones are designed specially with the older person in mind. They're easy to use with louder sound and larger text. Plus numerous state-of-the-art features that don't compromise on performance or quality. To learn more about the full range of high-tech Doro phones, visit doro.ie. Doro phones. Make friends with innovation. Back in love with rugby, um, and then you, you were capped for Ireland at a young age. Brilliant on the tour of Australia, and then the whole Ward Campbell thing, um, which we've all seen about and read about. Yeah. I suppose short version, um, still no good reason why you were dropped. 
um, and hence great source of conspiracy theories for people, but uh, no satisfactory answer because you had played brilliantly. But Ollie Campbell was sensational and um, here we were Ireland with a relatively limited international team and two tens in the conversation for well, we were both in our prime, definitely, at that stage. And I never had any problem with Ollie. My only issue, again, in retrospect, looking yeah. back, as, as we all do, is how it was handled. It was really handled so badly. Like, nobody took me aside uh, and just said, I'm talking about the coaches, mm -hmm. Noel Murphy, Fergus Slattery, who was captain, Jack Coffey, who was the team manager, and explained to me, look, uh, you dropped, which yeah. you accept. I mean, you know, and I was playing pretty well out there at the time because well, I was a confident, well, I was a confidence player, yeah. and I was on top of my confidence at that stage. And again, in hindsight, uh, it completely devastated my confidence. And I, I, in fact, without wishing to sound arrogant in any way, I actually slapped my back myself on the back a few times subsequently because I played for St Mary's, my yeah. old school club and I played for uh, Greystones and I managed to get capped with both those clubs over the next 10 years and they almost meant as much to me as the original one with with Gary Olsen so because I had to work really caps. hard yeah. to get back in and I really appreciated it so there was an upside in that way but where Ali is concerned no problem He's, like he was nature's gentleman back then and we were very competitive. Yeah, yeah. And he'll tell you the same. Like, you know, we, we worked hard together. We did. He for Leinster, me for Munster back then. Um, and, you know, whoever was the better on the day got it. But um, to this day, we're the best of friends. I'd say we're closer now. And he'll tell you the same than we've ever been, which is lovely. Yeah. And that's the nature of sport I'd like to think. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and, of course, while this was going on, you you, you did have brilliant days. And uh, so you... you Played when Munster beat the All Blacks in the famous '78 game, yeah. um, which you know was was an era-defining game and was still a big touchstone in Irish sport. And um, I used to wince a little bit about you know the Roy Keane in me going, you know, why are we celebrating something so relatively modest? We beat you know we beat them once and we've plays on about it. And um, whereas you know now we've beaten them five times in the last few years, which is wonderful. But anyway, seventy-eight, like what, what, what a day it was! Um, I, I think it was saying to you, my parents were, were actually yeah. at it, yeah. um, along with the hundred thousand other people who claimed <laughs> more than who claimed to be in the GPO in nineteen sixty. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And was there a monster connection with your? Well, my, my my father's a, a, a Connacht man. He grew up in Sligo, but my mum yeah. was from well, originally Castletown and Leash, but she kind of grew up in Nina Tipperary. Okay, it's just so they were, yeah, yeah. So they they supported their monster hurling and all that. And yeah. So they were kind of. And my my uncle's living in still is was living in Burr in County Offaly. I think was, I was a nine year old kid. Yeah. So I remember we, it was Halloween. So yeah. I remember we were down in Burr for Halloween. And uh, my parents headed off from Burr to Limerick. And for the game, that's right. It was, it was on Halloween, right? It was on the first of October. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think I remember them coming back at some ridiculous hour of the morning. <laughs> huge celebratory mode. Yeah, yeah. I think they were there at 12 nil. Yeah, I, I was, it, it, it was amazing, everything about it. I think where it happened, the fact that it was in Limerick, because mm -hmm. as you rightly said, the crowds that used to attend yeah. games back there were extraordinary. I mean, people will find that hard today to understand how big club rugby was, mm. and particularly into Limerick games, into Munster get club games yeah. down there. They were absolutely huge. So to beat them where we did... Do you know I'll give you a funny one, and it really got home to me how big it was. It wasn't on the day we did it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and that was amazing because for the first time ever, when we went in after the game, we had to go back out onto the pitch again into the throngs outside, yeah. which had never happened before, which would be standard practice nowadays. No, where it really came home to me, funnily enough, was wasn't when we ran back out onto the pitch. It was the following day. We were staying in the old Jewelry's Hotel, as it was then on the Ennis Road. And I remember the following morning, I got a phone call in my room from Mike Murphy. And Mike Murphy, yeah. He used to do the morning program on RT Radio. The, the, before Morning Island. Yes, yeah. Mike Murphy. About the potholes in Limerick on That's the Ennis right. Road and yowza, yowza, yowza. Yeah, you remember yeah. all that? And I got a call. It wasn't arranged or anything. And it was said, look, Mike Murphy wants to talk to you live on the program. And thing. <laughs> like, thankfully, we didn't overdo the yeah, celebrations on the side. But that was when it really registered with me for the first How time. Huge it was. That something big had happened. Yeah. It's funny, isn't it? You yeah. know, because you're kind of in a bubble. But you know, passing to the culture in New Zealand as well. Yeah. I mean, they still, uh, um, you know, they're a nation that remembers their defeats. So it's, it was always nice to give them one. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> for sure. For yeah. Sure. Um, actually, there's a pal of we, we, we're, we go to Leinster matches for, for years and years. My kids were raised on it. And there's a pal of Dara's, uh, Kevin himself and his dad were down in. Um, New Zealand for the Test Series. Wow. They made a trip of it. There's actually, they, they, they brought back a couple of trophies. That thing on the wall there was from the, uh, one of the New Zealand papers. The wow. Day. But yes, yeah, so they were at both. What a tour to pick. What a I tour mean, to that pick. is, yeah. it might never be done again. We'd like to think it will, but. Yeah, I, I make my trips better than that. I, I see a lot of epic defeats. As we were in uh, we were in Japan for the World Cup. Fantastic experience, but, uh, you know, the, the wheels came off the rugby. Yeah. But I was I, I missed the French game in Cardiff, but I made it over for the Argentina game. Yeah. So um, I'm hoping hoping for better things. Hoping yeah. for better yeah. things. Um, so in, in, in your case, brilliant rugby career, but but you were kind of gone before professional. You were you missed professionalism by seven eight years, maybe. The game went for pro. Uh, yeah, you're pretty close. It went pro in '97, if memory serves me right. And I would have retired around uh, about. 88. Yeah. From it. Yeah. Yeah. 88, yeah. 89. That sort of time. So, so you were the sort of the, the, the last of the pre professional generation. Yeah. But you know, we were talking about club rugby in Limerick. If you think about where, where Irish rugby was at that point, because the late 80s, early 90s was just a, a desert. It was a really, really triple crown in 85. And mm-hmm. then with the defeat in Lons and the. Oh, the mountains were pretty. Absolutely yeah. grim. I remember you. We had a couple of little bright sparks. We had Eric Elwood beaten England once or twice, which was nice. <laughs> we were with Simon Gay. Right, we had Simon Gay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, one of your commentary lines, you said, what's it? Oh, for 15 Simon oh, Gay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So excited. So, 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 but that, that was that era. But if you consider where we were then um, and look at where we are now compared to Welsh rugby, yeah. somehow we got, I mean, maybe it was the inbuilt formula of the, of the four natural provinces. Yeah. Um, but it, Welsh rugby, Oh, that, I think that's the biggest tragedy for me. I know Italy aren't really competing, although Trevise are beginning to make a few shakes now. But I, I think that's the saddest thing of all. And even though they've done well at international level, their club game is a mess over there. Yeah. And we were lucky. I remember Jimmy Davidson, a former Irish coach, who coached Ulster. And way back then, he used to call it Club Ulster. And yes. we used to think there was a touch. And Jim, Jimmy was fanatical about his rugby. But he was way ahead of his time. He knew the story. Ulster were dominant for the Interpros for that yes, period. Yes, they were. 20 years. Yeah. And that was Jimmy Davey. Yeah. It was very much. 
behind that. But I, I, it saddens me because I was brought up on the great, the daring do of the great yeah. Welsh teams yes. of that era. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were all heroes. And the other thing I'd say about them, Connor, I have to say, one or two apart, because I, I was looking to turn the lines with, with these guys as well and to get to know them over the years, the Welsh guys were the nicest oh. guys. The, like the absolute superstars, the Garrets, the Bennies, the Barry Johns, the... Uh, J.P.R. Williams. J.P. T- uh, T- um, Gerald Davies on the wing, who was another of my heroes. Um, Ray Gravel. They were super guys. They, they were just, super guys. They were gentlemen as well as everything. And the most humble... The real, sort of real old rugby spirit. Uh, absolutely. Spirit, yeah. And nothing put on. It's just the way they were. And, and you know, there's still nothing like being in the Millennium Stadium with the roof closed when they're singing the Welsh oh, National Anthem. It's just oh, one of the experiences oh. of sport. Incredible. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So hopefully they'll hopefully they revive. You know, they may be looking for a head coach in the foreseeable future. Yeah, so seems to work well because of a bit of pressure. I'm talking about bringing Gatlin back. Bringing Gatlin, can you believe it? Yeah. That cannot be progress. Cannot I know. I, I mean, I have to say, the Lions tour last year. I know it's during COVID. I found depressing mm. the way the Lions tried to play again to out Warren Ball. Yeah. yeah, Warren Ball against South Africa of all teams, no chance. Yeah. You know, you've got to play a different game. Even Ireland, even though the recent game could have gone either way, mm. Ireland were still trying to play a different type of game. What you can't do, I mean, this is about my, my two lads actually do a rugby podcast. They're completely nuts about it. But they're kind of, they've been saying for years, is that England developed this sort of smash enormous power game yeah. that can steamroller through most sides in the world, but but, but never, you're never going to do that against yeah, the Springboks. And they just keep trying. They keep trying. Oh, they're just they're, huge yeah. men. Like yeah. when you tour over there and you see the size of guys who don't get up. Oh, it's just, it's, it's yeah. just um, I, I, I just don't like the way they play because they have loads of talent. You're seeing it now in the URC the, yeah. the, with the, the top teams are now part of that. And you're seeing the talent they have on the on out wide, yeah. you know. I just wish they'd embrace that a little bit more because they could be. They could be. They Something could be. else. Well, I mean, they're already. Yeah. And, and you know, this far out, realistically, are you, we're, we're not the number one team in the world, are we? You couldn't. No, I, I, you know, we deserve uh, all the credit we're getting after what we achieved during the summer. It was yeah. phenomenal. Like, yeah. even in the first game, and I'm not being wise in hindsight, that first game you looked at, and you thought at the end of it, even though we lost by, I don't know, about 30 points. Yeah, yeah. You thought, wow, that's no reflection on that game. But still, to turn it around in the way they did in seven weeks and then another seven days and then another seven days again. Well, the, the, there was a, one half of rugby, was the final test, was one half of rugby that was just the most complete half I've ever seen them play. The only comparison I've got is, is when Leicester came back against Northampton. In the oh, yeah. Final. yeah the final. It was just this period yeah. of utter yeah. domination yeah. and you have to remind yourself that the team being dominated were New Zealand in their backyard incredible yeah. and full credit to Andy Farrell and his management team yeah absolutely they, you know Joe Schmidt did a great job but in a different way and as we all know like Joe was meticulous in his preparation it became a force yes. yeah. and, and, and there became there came a fear factor as the players would yeah. tell you whereas now they go into camp and they enjoy the experience where they couldn't talk about that, obviously, when they had a different coach in charge. But his record was quite extraordinary. Joe's, that Joe's, it took yeah. us to another level in terms of self-belief, to be fair. Yeah. To be fair. But Andy Farrell, 
I, I, when I was I was pure wrong about Andy Farrell. Me too. Yeah, me too. Absolutely wrong because I, I mean I, I I agreed with we had to because Joe Schmidt was the best coach in the world until he wasn't. It kind of had Eddie Jones had been brilliant with England until he wasn't. Warren Gatlin had been brilliant with Wales until he wasn't. He could overstay it and you have to keep it fresh. Um, but I thought Andy Farrell and Mike Cass as the attack coach was like old oh, technology wasn't going to work and you just have to say. Oh, absolutely. And I was the very same. I I had serious doubts. And it took such a long while for the transition to take place. But the change has been incredible. And when you look at it, to be fair, like Ulster are beginning to make shapes, which is fantastic. And I know there's a lot of Leinster players involved. But when you see what's going on in Leinster, and you're uh, very aware of the Leinster school scene, it's, 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 it's always been there. But it's now at another level in terms of organisation, yeah. in terms of the coaching and the strength and conditioning programmes in these schools now. Yeah, and even things like the, there's the, the 4G pitch in Donnybrook. Yeah. And I, I just watched the game there on TV, they were being televised in one of the, um, Satanta or one of those. Um, I don't know, I don't, Michaels against Belvedere or something like that. But the technical standard of the rugby being played oh, was just amazing. amazing. Oh, amazing. I, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. And uh, the other thing about it is with the strength and conditioning that where the academy was designed for players obviously to go from school into the academy yeah. and then they'd have three to four years coming through. The reality is now the Ryan Birds of this world, the Joe McCarthy's They're bursting through. Yeah. Exactly. Bursting in first year, they're coming out and straight into the yeah. team now. It's, um, I, and, and they look, we've we such a crop, well, we, we, there we, areas where we don't have depth, but I mean, across the back row, for example, it's fantastic oh, to see the options we have. It's incredible. Yeah. But I, listen, if I assume that um, you're not going to pull your boots back on again, uh, and if we know that my ankle is just, just isn't going to stand up to it. So <laughs> okay, we write ourselves up. So, so, so apart from us then, um, in, in the absence, I, mean, I vaguely think Johnny Sexton starts for Ireland, we're number one, number two in the world, probably. Anybody else but Johnny, we're down to fourth or fifth. There's just a, a, a so, and we have options. W- what do you think we have there? Well, first of all, in relation to Johnny, it, like at 37 years of age, to be performing the way he is. And I know it, we've just seen it with Gareth Bale and Marin Ramsey, indeed, in the World Cup, yeah. that age catches up with everybody. Yeah. But for Johnny to be in the condition he is in and to be performing the way he is, and I know he gets the odd knock and niggle because of the way he plays has been exceptional. What I love about him as much as anything that I don't think he gets enough credit for is his ability to pick out the right pass. Like, it's the weight on the pass, like his soft hands, and he's able to give it at an angle that'll either invite a player onto it or drift him wide. And always makes the player's choice for him, doesn't he? Absolutely. He checks the run, it's just in stride. And you're absolutely right when you say about whether we're number one in the world or not, it's open to question. But the reality is that when Sexton plays, yeah. we are capable of beating anybody on any given day. That, that's the reality. Yeah. So hopefully for the World Cup. But to answer the question, same dilemmas for everybody. Um, Joey Carberry possibly, and I think he may end up as number two out there. But I don't see, I don't see the same. You mentioned Eric Elwood yeah. earlier on. And when Eric was there in a bad team, I remember he came in. What I used to love about Eric was his presence in the position. Yes. You know, yeah. Ronan had it. Um, David Humphreys had it. Even people like Paul Dean, who was a, a less... Um, beautiful link. Beautiful link. Yeah, okay. He didn't even take kicks. He'd carry him outside and the kicks. Yeah, that's he, right. 
Yeah. But certainly in terms of an on-field presence, um, I just don't see it yet in Joey, and I hope I'm wrong, yeah. for obvious reasons with the World Cup coming up. But certainly as a 15, he offers you, because he's a beautiful, broken field runner. He's got the X factor. And I think, uh, I know it's very young, it's probably too soon for Jack Crowley. Yeah. But he looks to be more towards Sexton and more assertive in the position and more controlling than Carberry. Um, So I I would have him as number three. But the other one, because it's the World Cup and because of what goes on at Leinster, I really wonder, did Ross Byrne make a very strong point last week? He's great off the tee, isn't he? See, that's it. So Sexton gets injured, you take him off. And what Leinster, to refer to Leo... Um, and Stuart, Stu Lancaster has been amazing. What they have done, but actually they just bring him in, and it's, it's like for like. Would you, do you know, it'd be interesting in a parallel universe, how many tests would South Africa have won if they had Ross Byrne instead of Willemson? Yeah. ten. Absolutely. Just, just by taking the kicks. Yeah, it would have been us for starters. It would have been us for starters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah. yeah. you're right. So if they, well, they, they will have their tens back. That's guaranteed. Well, yeah, yeah. Uh, however, we, we just deal with us. I, I, I think the three of them, definitely. And I know there are other options too. Jack Carty and... Mm, maybe uh, Frawley. Yeah, who's been unlucky with injury as well. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the key when you go to World Cup, I think we're allowed 33 players. Yeah, we're allowed 33 for the World Cup. Is <laughs> trying to have as many utility or versatile players yeah. as you can have. That's the key to it. Yeah. So if you can well, that have, brings in your Frawleys actually. That's it. where the likes of Frawley yeah. would go, or Jimmy O'Brien at the yes, player cross, yeah. who's probably he was the biggest plus, wasn't he? Of the yes, was terrific. Auto yeah, series, and I think he's nailed. He's booked a seat on the play. Which you know, it's not the first time Farrell has done that because he's made selections that are, I don't. Well, that's a bit. Mm. Mac Hansen was one. I mean, yeah. he had been playing well. Yeah. But not well, what he could see. Yeah. Nailed on tests. Yeah. I didn't see that. Even Gibson Park. Even Gibson Park. Yeah. 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 I mean, I see what he sees. And, yeah. and it's fantastic. In fact, I, I, I actually think, even though we've two good monsters from Alice Connor still there and Craig Casey perhaps coming through, I think there's a huge gap between Gibson Park and the other and two. Is, yeah. Because of the type of game we want to play and the tempo we want to play in that. Which isn't Murray's game, really. No. And Craig Casey isn't he's more so. He he'd be closer to Gibson Park, but he's still a long way off. They, it, that lot struggled nicely against in the A game and against New Zealand. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is very relevant. Yeah. yeah. That wasn't a great day for Casey or for Frawley. No. No, it wasn't a good game for Irish rugby, to be honest no, with you, because yeah. we were well beaten by the New Zealand B team for one time. And Damien McKenzie. Yeah, Damien McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Global starting 10 and the New Zealand B team. Yeah. McKenzie was sensational well, that day. You could argue the same, I suppose, with Sexton and Level Well, yeah, 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 exactly. Um, <laughs> but listen, it's great to be in, the, great to be in those conversations. Yeah. Um, tell me this would you relegate Italy or Wales and would, let the Georgians in? Would I? To the uh, Six Nations, would you would, would would you change the Six Nations that Golden Goose relegate Italy or Wales? Yeah, in in an ideal world, the answer is yes, uh, in theory, and for the betterment of the game going forward, it'll take a while for the Italy's, the Georgias of this world to have promotion relegation yeah, type yeah. setup, and yet, in a very selfish vein. Um, having seen Italy come on board. And they came on board, remember, at a time when they were top-notch at the end of the 90s. They'd beaten us two or three times. Three out of four times they beat us in those years. And I I covered those games down there. They were amazing. 
yeah. where they're at. Unfortunately, they've, they've lost their way. Um, but Rome is like, oh, it used to be Edinburgh, yeah, yeah. you know, it was the big city, Paris to a lesser extent. Now it's Rome. Now it's Rome. For everybody. Yeah. You know? and, and Tbilisi has a lot of work to do to, to yeah. catch up with that. Yeah. And, and in a professional age, yeah. all those factors, whether we like it or not, are relevant yeah. for putting bombs on seats. Uh, and it, it's, a, it's a commercial enterprise. We have private equity involved now, of course, CBC have bought a chunk. Um, it, it, how do you see the future of a global professional game? I, I, I worry about it because it's not like football. And football is, is like we're watching the World Cup. And I, I'm football daft. I, lo- yeah. I love the game. Um, but it, it can be very repetitive and boring to watch now the way the game is played. Mm-hmm. Like you no longer have your Garinches and Stanley Matthews and, you know, wingers taking on fullbacks. And that's yeah, yeah. Those days have gone. And I just worry about rugby. I think the things, I don't want to get too technical, Connor, but I think what I really worry about is um, obvious things. I, I worry about the scrum with the amount of time that's wasted. And it's, there very few scrums now don't result in a penalty after we've wasted a minute or a minute and a half in, in doing it. That worries me. The other one that worries me greatly is the kick to the corner. Um, and and I, I just, I think it's a huge blight on the game. In that you get a penalty, you kick to the corner. Slightly cheap points. Yes, but the hooker is the guy who comes in at the back and you've eight, seven guys in front of him obstructing the opposition, taking the opposition out and pushing them forward. The defence is not allowed to do anything about it because they can't take it down because we're told by the rugby authorities it's dangerous. I played the game for I don't know how many years. I went hand on heart and I used to stand right beside it. Moles, obviously. I never saw a ninja touch wood again yeah. in a mall. So no, the, the, what? Da- the dangers were the front row collapsing is an obvious... Uh, yeah, that's different. And, and, and with things like rook clearouts are much more dangerous. Oh, totally. Than, you know, when you could use your studs yeah, yeah. any way you wanted to. Or even now, it's yeah. still a tendency, although they have to try and bind properly, but they're still essentially using their body as a missile to... Oh, uh, yeah, when they hit the poor guy and yeah. standing over, jackaling, as they yeah. call it in the modern game. Um, but that, that concerns me greatly, is that kick to the corner. I, I, I hate it. And the fact that if the ball is then shifted out in the middle of the field and there's a crossover in midfield... The slightest contact and it's a penalty. Yeah. Explain to me how seven guys can take out seven guys without the ball. Whereas what we used to call the scissors is yeah. now it's now virtually gone. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it seems to be because the game was about sort of intelligently moving people around and then knowing where the space is and then attacking the space, exactly. as opposed to brutalize. There's always an element of brutalizing each other up front, but um, yeah, but it's like you go back to your original point. Unfortunately. Money is going to talk. And, Money is going to talk. And, and winning and like, I, you know, and I, I don't know, it's probably not the nicest comment, but I, I don't like it. There's a new age fan now and I, I get that. And mm. I would sound like a grumpy old man. Yeah, yeah. But I, when I go to, to a game now and I, I hear comments being made and they're so uninformed, for want mm. of a better word. Yeah. And I know... And we all know that 95% of people in Pullman Park now, in Musgrave Park, in yeah. the RDS, in the Kingspan Sports Ground, they've never been in a club ground in their life. Yeah. They've never seen a game of club rugby. It's a spectacle. It's yeah. a big theatre. And that's my it's point. what's happening socially in the city tonight. Exactly. Yeah. Whereas you know, if you go on some of the away trips, it's fantastic because yeah. you know, they're a self-selecting group of, of, of 
rugby nutters. And that is the problem. And that, yeah, that is the problem. <laughs> uh, as, as the game gets larger and the TV audience gets bigger, but then you know you go from um, playing playing in the in Donnybrook in front of five or six thousand in the early, and then a short few years later, there's eighty three thousand in Croke Park mm. for an Leinster Munster game. Incredible. Mm. Um, yeah, like you, it's, you do a whole other podcast on what the FAI has been doing in the, in the yeah. interim, because you know from Italia ninety when the FAI held every card it was possible to hold, and and the IRFU was was a, a near basket case. Yeah. And, uh, and, 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 and look where they are now. Yeah, absolutely. I go to all the uh, the football games because I love them. And yeah. uh, the early games, it's tough times at the moment. Stephen Kenny's having it, having a tough and we're so far off the pace in oh. terms of talent. Yeah. We just don't have it. Like when you look at the leagues our guys are playing in, in general, compared to what we're competing with. But um, I, there's still something magical about international sport. Oh, it is the global game, isn't it? Yeah. And you know what? When Ireland were good periodically, yeah. there's just that, or famously Italian IT. Oh, yeah. uh, there, there's nothing that, that um, They're fantastic turned on the entire country in, yeah. in, in quite the same way. Yeah. Um, not this time. Not this no, time. no. Football, to be fair, and it's amazing. Like rugby is probably still the best number four sport in the country after football, hurling, soccer. Although I hate calling soccer soccer, yeah. I'm one of those people that was brought up that it was football. Um, but definitely, I think football has an appeal, probably because of its simplicity, yeah. that everybody identifies with, even people who have claimed to be fear gales and no interest in a ban and all that stuff. They're liars. They of course, they are, yeah. of course they are. And, and, it, and it is literally. Global. You go to a village yeah. in Africa. Absolutely. You know, More than any other sport. That's what we're seeing at the moment. Yeah. yeah. And rugby doesn't quite have that. But, no. uh, and, but, but we're, get, we're getting there slowly yeah. but surely. I'd love to see the Georges and the, uh, you know, whatever's going to happen. Romania. Well, actually, Romania, back the days you were yeah. talking about, they were incredibly they strong. Were team. Yeah, yeah. They were a good team. They were, they were sort of the best of the rest, perhaps they after Italy. And they also had, uh, in a sense, they were professional ahead of their time in that most of the players were in the armed forces or the police. Yeah. So they were paid by the state um, and that gave them a really strong team back then. Yeah. But once the Ceausescu regime disappeared, yeah. unfortunately... So, so did the sugar so, daddy. And yeah. I think the French clubs plundered the resources there for a while. Right. But the French are wanted big time. Yeah. Big time. Um, and so there you go. So the future of rugby, we hope it, you know, is... And, and what about the future of Tony Ward? Are, you, are we going to be hearing your voice alongside Ryan Lugin to the commentary <laughs> No, I, I, I still do... Uh, I still do work with the BBC, uh, with yeah. Jim Neely. I do the radio commentaries and I enjoy them and I still do journalistic work for the Indo, yeah. uh, which which I enjoy as well. And it's very important because it, you know, it's because when you get to, I hate admitting it, but when you do get to retirement age, uh, life changes, the whole perspective and life changes. So I think it's very important. Yeah. And I, I love sports. Like, and, and the wonderful thing, even you tossed out the most obvious name at me, Ollie Campbell. Um, but I think that's what sport is all about. Like the amount of friends I have, particularly in the two sports I played, but not only that, in, in Gaelic games and football, because yeah. I'd always been croaker in the Nally stand down yeah. in the corner. and Looking down at the and I tell you what kills me, Connor. When I go along, because I, I do a bunch of croaker to any games that I can, and um, invariably I get an awful lot, what are you doing here? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, <laughs> Since and I wasn't just watching the primary school sports either, I'd be watching 
yeah. you know, gaming games yeah. and so well, well, mostly, it, it's, it's a great thing about the modern world. We don't have to be binary in that sense, you know. Very much. And yeah. long may it continue. And long may it continue. Yeah. Um, well, listen, Tony, thanks a million for the chat. Absolute probably, pleasure, Colin. Yeah, probably, yeah. probably, we can talk all day. We can talk all day, yeah. We can talk all day. Um, but listen, a great pleasure to meet you. Great to, to see you looking so well. And uh, I look forward to hearing you alongside you. You lied told, but thank and you. I, <laughs> and I do definitely, I'll be reading the Indo stuff because uh, um, you're generally worth a click to see what Tony thinks of yeah. this. Uh, yeah. Thanks, uh, Listen, thanks very much, Tony. Yeah, my pleasure. So thank you to Tony Ward. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Do remember that you can access the full Driving Life archive of previous episodes at seniortimes.ie. Thanks again to Doro Mobile Phones, to Specsavers and to Expressway Buses. Drive safely, live happily and come back and see us again. Why have regular eye tests at Specsavers? Well, they can help reveal health issues like diabetes and high blood pressure. Book an appointment online today.